Praise God. Well, we have been in this, this series here at Walk Church that we've titled uh, Ephesians. It's not necessarily our series. It's actually a book in the Bible that is found in the New Testament. It's a church that the Apostle Paul planted in the city of Ephesus, and, and that's where we've landed today. And we've taken a break through this book as we have been journeying through the book of Ephesians for a little over two years now. And we jump in this morning, we jump back in to Ephesians chapter 5 in a series that we've titled Spirit-Filled Family. Spirit-Filled Family. We took the past month to really lean into the Christmas story in a fresh way, and I think it's always appropriate to do that, to ask God to speak to us and remind us of those things. And today we, we jump right back into this text in Ephesians chapter 5. We, we spent the first half of Ephesians 5 in a series that we titled Imitate. Everybody say imitate. 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 And we learned how to be better imitators of the Lord Jesus himself. And really the only way to be an actual imitator of God, because we can't live up to those shoes. Can I get an amen? Or we can't fit those, right? Is to actually have the spirit of God live in and through us. That's how you become an imitator is by having him empower you to do it. It's called spirit-filled living. Praise God that the Christian life isn't us living for Jesus, it's Jesus living through us. And we need him to do all things through us. So the more we can get out of the way and be filled with his spirit, the more we can be the men and women that God has called us to be. So now we're, we're jumping back into Ephesians 5, and I want to just catch us up on one verse that will lead us into the, this brand new series, Spirit-Filled Family, found in Ephesians 5, verse 18. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, if you got your eyelids, tune, tune in with us on the screen. Uh, if you got a phone, go ahead and log on, and we're going to jump into this word today. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. let's eat. Let's eat. Well, Father, right now, as we prepare to eat, we prepare to eat from your word, I want to do what the prayer point that I received on my phone today from Walk Church is. So we're, Father, as we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting, Today's prayer point was deepen our time with God and his word. God, would you move us all here today past the shallow into some deep things, God, and help us to grow, help us to glow, help us to draw deeper into your word. God, I pray for all of us in this place today and those who may watch this online. God, I pray that for everybody that's hearing this word right now, God, I pray that all of us would grow deeper in your word this year. That, God, we would carve out intentional time to read your word, receive your word. God, you tell us your word is living and active. So even right now, would you activate us? Come on, church, pray with me right now. Just say, Lord, activate me. Lord, activate us right now. If our hearts are dead, activate it. If our, if our minds are, are, are weak, activate it, God. If, we, if, our, if our desires are cold, activate them. Warm them up, God, so that we can hear a word from your word today. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 We love clapping. I'm going to clap with you. Um, and it... If you don't have the Walk Church app, I would encourage you to, to download it. Just go to the app store and type in Walk Church. You'll find it. If you don't follow us on social media, I would encourage you to do that as well because then you'll be able to get these notifications regarding the different points of prayer 
that we're praying uh, each and every day. Today's day five in 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you need to start today, start today. There's no real rules on it. Uh, we just want to dr- draw deeper in this month to the Lord. All right, verse 18. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Here we go. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Everybody say debauchery. debauchery. It's just kind of a fun word to say. Debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Capital S refers to the Holy Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, I want us to go ahead and, and talk about and revisit and remind ourselves of what the Bible calls spirit-filled living. As we see that highlighted in verse 18, this is the scripture says, don't get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, or as in the NLT version says, that'll ruin your life. Debauchery is another way to say that's going to hinder you, not help you. Don't get drunk with wine, that'll, that'll hurt you. But on the other hand, here's this transitional verse that leads us into the rest of Ephesians 5. See, Ephesians 5, 1 through 18 talks largely about Imitation, imitation by illumination, we should be shining as Christians. Imitation by elimination, we should be cutting off sin the more we get closer to Christ. Imitation by appreciation, we should grow in thankfulness. Imitation by celebration, we should grow in celebrating what God's doing in us and around us. But then there's this but here, this but word. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. And from here, Paul takes us into Spirit-filled living, which leads into Spirit-filled family. Let me give you some verbs, some action. As we pivot off of spirit-filled, we, we, we pivot into action, that God's calling us to walk, to take a step. He says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. So if we're living by the Spirit, we're addressing each other. This is a tough verse for my introverts in the room. I get it. Uh, but the more you're filled with the Spirit, the more you're going to want to say, hello, the more you're going to want to say, nice to meet you, and then you're like, what am I doing? The Spirit is filling you because He wants to connect you. He wants to help you. He wants to put us into community. The Spirit of God lives in community. He lives with the Father. He lives with the Son. There's a beautiful picture of the family of God right there, and the Spirit of God's going to produce in you what He's already doing. So addressing is part of spirit-filled living. And how about uh, uh, singing? Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and singing. Spirit-filled living will start to look like, man, all of a sudden I was at church, I went from here, and now I'm singing. I can remember when I was that guy, I was just like, man, I'm not singing. Y'all can sing. I'll stand here. The music sounds okay, but I'm not going to sing. Then I started then I started making melody in my heart, you know. I was like, because spirit-filled living leads to making. So you start singing, you start making melody in your heart to the Lord. Let let me go ahead and remind you, there's power in making melody in your heart to God. Some people have the singing part down. You can sing all the songs here, but on Monday, your heart goes to different places. And your heart starts to make melody about things that the Spirit of God is like, I don't don't remember teaching you that. What are you singing about? (laughs) And start making melody. God may... God may put a song on your heart. He might write a song through your heart. You start thinking about things, you start making melody in your heart, all of a sudden a song develops. 
Spirit-filled living is addressing one another. It's singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. This is a good verse for those who don't really have a good voice like me. I, I got some powerful songs in my heart, all right? And then it leads to giving, even giving. Spirit-filled living is not just addressing, singing, and making. It's giving, giving thanks. Maybe you don't have anything necessarily to give. Yes, you do. You can give thanks. Maybe you can thank somebody. Maybe you can thank the Lord. Amen. The psalmist says that we should enter into the Lord's house with thanksgiving. I know sometimes we think, you know what? Maybe around like the second or third song, I'll start getting thankful. No, we got to enter in. Enter in with thanksgiving. That'll shape your theology. That'll shape your thinking. Like, you know what? God is good. I got to thank him. It's the new year. I made it through. I just decided to thank God for chairs this morning. As I was sitting down earlier, I was like, you know what? I don't thank you enough for this chair. Like God gave somebody the wisdom to think of a chair. How powerful is that? I mean, we don't have the most comfy chairs, but a chair is a chair, all right? At this stage, you know, we want to thank the Lord. You find the Lord to thank him for something. How about giving thanks always and everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? And then this, this last verse says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. A spirit-filled living looks like addressing one another. It looks like singing to the Lord, making melody in your heart to the Lord. It looks like giving thanks to the Lord. And this last verb that we, we didn't get to in the series, we, we stopped right at, at uh, 20 to to pick it up right here, 21, is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I like the King James Version of this. We'll go back to the 1600s. The King James Version says it like this. Um, it says, Sub submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Uh, I like that it says yourselves. It's saying, you got to submit yourself. you got to say, self, listen up, submit yourself one to another in the fear of God. What a verse. Now, I think for some people, you guys just said, amen, this is a good verse. For others, the moment I said the word submit, there was just a turning in your heart and just a fear came upon you or an uneasiness or, oh man, why did I come today? He's about to go down this road. And I just want to just say, hold up, wait a minute, <laughs> and don't check out of this sermon. One, number one is because I didn't pick this verse. This is just what's next in Ephesians 5, right? I even said, okay, we're, we're jumping back into Ephesians. We want to keep working through this book. What's verse 21 say? Oh, well, I can't scoot by it. We got to address it because addressing is spirit-filled living. But I was reminded that we could potentially walk out of this series and out of this sermon with just a brand new view and a brand new lens of this thoroughly biblical word, submitting. That submitting is such a powerful word that it's a word that God's attached to spirit-filled living. But be filled with the spirit, submitting to one another. Let me go ahead and talk to you a little bit about this verse. Uh, the word submit is the Greek word hupoteso. It's a military word. It means to arrange oneself under. Some of your translations say subjecting yourselves to one another. It means to subject or put in subjection to 
obey. I want you to imagine a military leader or commander or sergeant who says, okay, you guys are now under my leadership, my rank, my rule. I'm asking you to submit to me is where the the word originally came from. Uh, A Webster's Dictionary definition says to yield oneself to the authority or will of another. In spirit-filled living, you're saying, I'm going to yield myself. I'm going to make the conscious choice because I'm filled with the Spirit to yield myself, in this case, to one another. I'll tell you what, church. I've, I've seen pastors abuse these verses before. For example, some of you may have thought, we're going to jump right into this verse that says, submit, wives, submit to your husbands. And totally jump over verse 21. But verse 21 is screaming at us that says, submit to one another. Submit yourselves to one another. In the fear of God, we should do this. So I really believe that God is speaking to us today, and he's saying, if you're going to have a spirit-filled family, for example, spirit-filled wives, spirit-filled husbands, spirit-filled children, spirit-filled parents, spirit-filled singles, come on, all the spirit filling all of us in all of our different roles, we got to first figure out verse 21. Let me, let me show you verse 21. It says, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. We got to catch this. We got to say, okay, submitting means I'm putting myself under the, the rule and leadership, in this case, even to one another. But I want to be clear here when it says one another that Paul has a specific audience in mind when he says this. Let's go back, 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 back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. The very first verse of this letter is Paul, the apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God, and he says, to the saints. To the saints. Come on, everybody, say, to the saints. To the saints. Let's just sing when the saints go marching in right now. No, I'm just playing. Um, who, who are in Ephesus, right? In Ephesus, Vegas is a modern-day Ephesus. We'll just say that, all right? Not much has changed. To the saints who are in Vegas at Walk Church and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to say, and this is a disclaimer. I'm going to say it every single week. If you're not a saint, maybe you're asking today, well, what's a saint? Because some of you, maybe a saint is a little figure that you stuck on your dashboard to protect you while you travel. That's not a biblical saint. That's a mythical saint. A biblical saint is somebody who is filled with the Spirit. A biblical saint, amen. Uh, uh, Let me tell you what what sainthood is. I've studied this word. I've studied this passage. You could actually go back to when I preached Ephesians 1, 1, two years ago. We spent a lot of time on what it means when it says saints. Sainthood is somebody who says this. I'm a sinful person. I'm in desperate need of a Savior who is holy, righteous, and blameless, who is God in the flesh. He needs to be born of a virgin. He needs to live the life I could never live. He needs to be born in Bethlehem, grow up in Nazareth, according to the Old Testament prophetic words. He needs to die on the cross for all of our sin. He needs to be beaten and bruised and sacrificed for my iniquities. He needs to rise from the grave, and then everybody who would believe in him, the true saint, there's only one ever capital S saint. His name is Jesus, right? And, and everybody who says, I'm walking my way in the world, everybody who says, I'm going to turn from my sin and believe in Jesus, immediately you become a saint. You're a saint. 
You get filled with the Holy Spirit and get moved from category of sinful person destined for hell into I'm now a saint destined for eternity with Christ. That's the beauty of the gospel. If you don't believe that or are not there, the rest of these messages are going to be weird. This is a message that's written to the saints. People filled with the Spirit. If you're a first-time guest here, I'm so glad you're here. We've been praying for you to come. And if you're not, if you're not a believer in Jesus yet, heavy on the yet, right? We pray that you would make that decision, become a saint, and maybe these words would make sense. But a lot of the words in the scriptures are countercultural. They don't line up with the culture. But church, listen to me and listen to me well. The culture, right, needs to adjust to the Bible, not the Bible to the culture, right? We don't need to retranslate the Bible and say, well, what would culture say about this? That's not how God wrote it. The culture should say, what does God say about this? And then, and then adjust from there. So, so this is, these are verses written to the saints. These are verses written to the church. If, if you're not a, a part of God's body and bride, the church, some of these words, like submission, might not make sense to you. But my prayer is that along the journey, maybe you would see Jesus as beautiful and your need as sinful and that you would turn from your sin and come to him by faith. I would encourage you to do that over and over again. And then these words would really apply to your life. He says, submitting yourselves to one another. I would say this. This, th- this verse right here in itself is uncomfortable. I, I get it, the, the uncomfortability that comes with the word submission. I feel it too. Some of us, when you hear this word, maybe you hear the word oppressing one another. And I want to be clear, that is not what this is saying. This is not a forceful word. This is not a hurtful word. Even though that this word has been abused throughout culture, this is not the heart of the Apostle Paul. Just a few verses before that, he said, leading with gentleness and kindness, giving thanks to God the Father in heaven. Be filled with the Spirit submitting to one another. This is not a heavy-handed submission. This is, I'm so filled with the Spirit, I'm going to submit myself even to you, my brother and sister in Christ. Submitting to one another. And this could be uncomfortable, and I would, I would say it, it is. And let me go ahead and tell you this. If you're going to try the Spirit-filled life, and I would encourage you to try it, it'll be the best thing you could ever do. It will get uncomfortable. I, I said, you know what, let me find the first point the first place in Jesus' life where he lived out spirit-filled living, right? He had always lived it out, but where it tells us he lived it out. It's actually found in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Check this verse out. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Not a single amen. I got a yes. But I thought that somebody would be like, man, amen, right to the wilderness. No. Because that's uncomfortable. How about Jesus? Right when he got baptized, and I believe Jesus got baptized to declare to us what he was going to one day do on the cross and rising from the grave, and because he wanted to say, hey, everything I call you to do, I'm going to do first. And Jesus says, hey, look, amen. And he says right here, even when it comes to spirit-filled living, let me model it for you. How about the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, okay, Holy Spirit, let's do this. What's the game plan for today? And the Holy Spirit said, we're going to the wilderness. What? 
This is spirit-filled living. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will call you to do things that are challenging, uncomfortable. Jesus would be tempted by Satan for those 40 days. He would fast. He would pray. He would grow deeper, even though he didn't really have any deeperness to grow. But he was modeling for us spirit-filled living. So in case this verse in these verses to come feel uncomfortable and like they're warring against your flesh, it's because spirit-filled living will do that. I mean, spoiler alert, if you really say, spirit, lead me, you might end up in the wilderness with the devil attacking you. Yet at the same time, yet at the same time, let me give you one verse from scripture that has really encouraged me. It's in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7. Look at this scripture with me on the screen. James 4, 7. Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How about this, church? Submission is such a powerful topic in the Bible that all of us should be in relationships of submission. First with God. God says, hey, if you really want to have power to resist the devil, you got to submit to me. The power of defeating the enemy is found in spirit-filled submission. If you're not willing to submit to God, then you're going to have the enemy all over you because he's going to start controlling you. You'll wind up starting to submit to the devil. You'll put yourself under his leadership when God says, hey, if you put yourself under my leadership and submit to me, we gotta get we gotta get a new lens for submission. Submission is a good word. It's a biblical word. It's a God word. Even Jesus submitted himself under Christ or under under the Father. When he goes to the cross, he says, "Not my will, but your will." I submit to you. And we see this idea of submission all throughout the scriptures. In fact, in Psalm eighty-one verse eleven, we see Israel miss it on submission. It says, but my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. I think God's looking for us to submit. I don't know if you've ever watched wrestling or any mixed martial arts. When a person submits, what does that mean? They give up. They're tapping out. Some of y'all need to tap out and say, okay, God, I submit. I'm ready. Use me. I trust you. I'll follow you. I'm tapping out. To, to submit means to say, you know what? I'm not going to try to go against you anymore. I'm throwing in the towel. You guys have heard me share about C.S. Lewis before. One of my favorite authors and philosophers wrote the book Mere Christianity and all the Narnia movies and books. Um, he, he's a great leader, but for the majority of his life, he was a profound atheist and scholar. He actually made it his journey to debunk the Bible and to prove how we're all crazy in his opinion. And then he wrote the most profound statement of his life. He said, I finally gave in and said that God was God. And he, he said, I, I tap in, I tapped out, I surrender. He said, I submit. Submitting yourself to God. Israel struggled with that. We don't want to submit to God. We want to submit to, to an earthly king. We want to submit to the world. We want to submit to other. All of us are in submission. You know that, right? You just got to ask, who am I submitting to? 
James would say, submit yourselves to, to God. Even in the book of Hebrews talks about submitting yourselves to leaders. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I love how Jesus tells us in the book of Hebrews that spirit-filled living leads to advantage-type living under the submission of even leaders. And here's what I want to remind you of for those who call Walk Church home or those who are considering that on their three-week challenge. We have a spirit-led leadership team. I, I, I really am thankful for our team, husbands and wives and leaders that, that don't want to move in step if it's not the spirit leading. And so I want to encourage you today that when you trust our leadership and you submit yourself to our leadership, you're, you're submitting yourselves to leaders who are submitted to the leadership of Jesus, led by his spirit. We believe in, in spirit-filled submission so much that our leadership team and our pastoral team here at Walk Church has even agreed to have a stewardship team uh, speak into our decision-making. So we have an actual stewardship team here at Walk Church consisted of seven individuals, uh, men and women, who demonstrate godliness, faithfulness, a love for Jesus, a love for his word and wisdom, and a love for our church. And we meet with that team once a month, and we've submitted ourselves to their counsel and their advice because we believe that Proverbs tells us that an abundance of counselors leads to success, but wise counselors... And so even in those meetings, we submit to their advice and their counsel, and, and, and our stewardship team will say, well, we submit to your leadership as pastors, and we have spirit-filled submission. And you know what? The Holy Spirit jumps into those meetings, and he leads. And I want to encourage you to submit yourself to God and to consider submitting yourselves to one another as this verse teaches us. One more verse on submission that I just want to bring to your attention. Galatians 5.1 says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why has Christ set us free? For freedom. If you can figure out what that verse means, tell me, all right? I, I think it means what it says. It means that Jesus is so passionate about freedom that he, he, he freed us so we could be free. And guess what? Freedom Looks like submission, but not to slavery of sin, but to God. The greatest freedom happens when you submit yourself to God. It says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. See, we're all submitting to someone. Some of us are submitting to sin. For example, right when you wake up, sin whispers in your ear, go do this, and you do it. Go watch this, and you watch it. Go say this, and you say it. Don't do that, and you don't do it. But what happens is in spirit-filled living, you wake up, and you say, okay, I'm no longer submitting to slavery of sin. I I'm now submitting to the freedom of Christ. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? And here's what he says in Ephesians 5, 21. Let me go ahead and bring it back up, and we're almost done. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit yourselves one to another. One to another. Spirit-filled living, one to another. Look at the person next to you really quick. I know it's uncomfortable. And just say, I need you. And then tell them back, and you need me. 
I need you. And you need me. Let, let me tell you. I need you. And you need me. And that doesn't make one of us better than another. It means that we're trying to live the spirit-filled life. I was thinking, what do I title this first sermon? I just titled it Spirit-Filled Submission. Because I want to see this word in a new way. For so long, I saw the word submission as just so sticky and just, can we just avoid submission? And the Holy Spirit was like, why? I know it's been abused and I know that for others, it lands on others differently. But if you could just stop for a moment and say, okay, how did you intend it to be used, God? I want to enter into that space. Submitting yourselves one to another. Let me give you some handlebars on how to do this. Um, Paul tells us this in Philippians chapter 2. We've been examining some of these verses. I want us to look at them again. Philippians 2. It it may be good for us to read this verse every Sunday because I think every Sunday we tend to forget it. But it says it like this. Do nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. If you broke that word up into two parts, it would be no thing. (laughs) Do no thing out of selfish ambition. This is to the church. Now, I know if you're part of the world, you, you, you you, you don't subscribe to Christ. doesn't make sense. But for those in Christ, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's an ambition that says, I'm doing this for me. I'm in it for me. Or vain conceit. That means that you're conceited and it's in vain. It's not going to produce anything. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That means we, we not only look at the person next to us and say, I need you, but we say, how can I serve you? How can I value you? I've found, I've found that valued people value people. Right? I've found that when people feel valued, they start valuing people too. That's Christianity 101. Don't do anything by selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. And how about the word humility in itself? Talk about countercultural. In these times, the word humility was seen as a negative. To have humility would be a, a character trait that you would look down upon. The word is actually the root word for humiliate. Who would want to humiliate themselves? Until Jesus comes along and says, the greatest leaders are humility. And then everybody says, oh, whoa, whoa. Jesus, are you changing the game? And he's saying, yes. Let me serve you. And they're like, you're not supposed to serve me. We're supposed to serve you. And Jesus said, take your shoes off. This is how my church is going to live. Spirit-filled. That we should, in humility, value others above ourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. What if 2020 was the year where we said, hey, what's up? Hey, why are you calling me? I'm calling you to see how I can serve you. What? You mean you're not calling me because you need something? Because most people just call me when they need something. <laughs> no, I was just calling you to see how I could serve you. Oh, I'm good right now. All right, well, just let you, just let you know I'm in the background. If you need something, holler at me. What if we all start doing that? <laughs> I'll tell you what. We'll start meeting needs by the church. We'll start seeing people set free here in the church. We'll start people, seeing people take their next step and their next step and grow and get better. Say, okay, hey, I'm, I'm not here for my own interests. This isn't a self-help club here, even though the more you worship, the more help you'll get by the Lord. What this is, is this is a hospital for broken people served by broken people. 
who, who are growing together in Christ. Amen? Spirit-filled. I want to challenge, I want to push forth, forth this challenge that I'm glad that this was the first sermon of the year. I didn't pick it this way. It just happened to land this way. But spirit-filled submission together, one another. Some of y'all thought, man, here goes the vert. I'm going to hear a sermon on submission to wives today. No, no, no. We'll get there because that's coming. But we can't jump over this massive verse 21. There's a submission to one another that we see here, don't we, in the church? I still remember I loved when I saw a dad baptize their son, and they said, he said, I baptize you now as my son and my brother. Wow. Right? Yes. I, I'm submitting. You know, we're, we're, we're in this body together. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another. Check this out. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus had. What type of mindset did Jesus have? I think he had an others-focused mindset. Right? If not, why would he come to earth to save people that he didn't even, that didn't even exist yet? I mean, 2,000 years ago, that's a long time, right? 2,020 years ago, Jesus said, man, I got walk church on my heart right now. I got to go. I got to go save him. Amen? He's other focused. He says, have that, ty- that type of mindset with one another. Let me show it to you one more time. Out of John chapter 13, what type of mindset did Jesus have? Pastor Mike, you, you delivered a fantastic word. I'm not even going to try to redo it. You should go watch Pastor Mike's sermon that he preached on this called The Cost of Christmas just a couple weeks ago. But I just want to read it again. In case you missed it or weren't here, let's just read it again. When he, you know who he is? When Jesus had washed there, do you know who there is? The disciples. Do you guys know who the disciples are? They're knuckleheads, people like us. They, they mess it up all the time. Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus, when he called the 12, he didn't go to like the synagogues. He didn't go to like the leadership schools. He's like, let me get this fisherman. And Peter wasn't even a good fisherman. He never caught anything outside of when Jesus shows up, which is a principle. Like, it, we need Jesus to do it. Like, you, every time we see Peter fishing, He never catches anything all night long. Jesus shows up, changes everything, right? But Peter, come on. Yeah, bring your brother too. Simon, Matthew, the tax collector, you come too, right? The zealots come too. You twin brothers, yeah, y'all come too, right? And Jesus called this, this 12 misfit group. He brought them so that he could love them and serve them and disciple them. And that, that, because he wanted to give us a picture of the church, multicultural, multi-generational, multi-talented, multi-sinful. That's all of us, right? We're, that's us. That's, this is a picture of us. Now, here's what Jesus did. They're in the room, and in this culture, in this day and age, it would have it not been foreign to wash your feet before you ate. People didn't wear socks. People didn't have really nice shoes. So they walked around with their sandals and their feet got dirty and dusty and they didn't want to carry their dirty and dusty feet around the table as they leaned in to eat. So usually a get, uh, the, 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 the host would ask the guest to remove their shoes and that the, the host would wash their feet. But in this case, I find it just amazing that after he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed this place, He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? 
Because remember, Peter at first said, Jesus, you won't touch my feet. No way. I'm supposed to be washing yours. And Jesus says, no, I'm, te- I'm teaching you spirit-filled living. Jesus is saying, I'm teaching you spirit-filled submission. Take off your sandals. Do you understand? Do you understand the words that are coming out of Jesus' mouth? <laughs> According to rush hour, right? Do you, do you understand? Maybe you don't. Let me help you. Let me help you understand. 13, Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord. And you're right. <laughs> I love how Jesus affirms his lordship in this text. He affirms his capital T teacher in this text. He says, you call me teacher and Lord. You're right. I am. I'm that. If I, then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, right, think about that for a second. Jesus says, if I did that, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, in our culture, feet washing isn't really a normal thing. But what is? When you go somewhere, how can you serve somebody? Maybe this year you say, you know what, I'm going to go to a charge group. And not only am I going to go to a charge group, I'm going to bring something to the charge group. All of the charge group facilitators were like, yes, been waiting for this sermon. Maybe say, you know what, I'm I'm, going to serve somebody this week. I'm not just going to wait. I wonder if someone will invite me to lunch after church. What if you said, I'm going to invite somebody to lunch after church. You might say, I only can do Taco Bell, but it's something, all right? Whatever it is, the fact that you went for it, spirit-filled living, you can trust God in it. He says, you ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example. What's the example Jesus gave? Submit yourself to one another. The example Jesus gave was, I'm here for you, and you're here for me, and we love God together, even in our disagreements, even in our dysfunction. We're going to submit to each other. Because the Spirit in us is going to help us. He says, this is the example that you should also do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Then he finishes with this. He says, and if you know these things, he says, blessed are you if you do them. Check this out, church. Hear me. We're almost done. If you sit through this entire teaching, in our service today, and you even nod your head and say amen, and you don't do anything about it, don't expect a blessing to follow. That's all I'm saying. The, the blessing follows obedience. Jesus says, hey, if you, if you do these things, trust me, you'll be blessed. And remember, the word blessed is the Greek word for happy. The more you serve, the more you'll be happy. You'll be like, this is different. I know this is spirit-filled living. I thought the more I served, the more that I'd be unhappy. But now I'm serving and I'm giving and I'm, I'm feeling blessed and God's blessing me. There's a brother that came up to me right before the service and he said, hey, Pastor Hyden, I got, a, I got a word for you. I said, come on, tell it to me. And he goes, I decided this year is the year that I'm going to start tithing. And even still, I came in today, and I got my tithe with me today. I'm, about to, I'm ready to start the year off right. And I just told him, I said, man, brother, God's going to bless that. Because you know why? He says, I can trust this guy. Because he trusts me. I think when we start being obedient to these different principles, like submitting to one another, trusting the Lord with all things, God says, man, I'm about to turn blessing up in your life. 
And that might not even look how you expect it to look. That might just mean your joy increased. That might mean you, you moved out of a depression. That might mean that, you know what, I just feel better all of a sudden. That might mean, you know what, things are happening in my life. That means I got a call back finally. I'm actually doing something with purpose. This is the example Jesus gave us. So my challenge to you this week is, if you want to call somebody over and wash their feet, that's fine. It might be weird. Some of you might be like, um, I, think I'm, I think I might leave my shoes on. But, but I'd love to go eat with you. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying? I'd love to sit next to you at church, though. Now, I'd love to get to know you better. Want to go to coffee? I'd I, I love to, maybe you can serve me in a different way. How can I serve you? Call somebody up. Meet with somebody. How can I serve you? How can I bless you? How can I honor you? How can I value you? What would be a good way to value you? Maybe get creative. Hmm. I got somebody on my heart. I'm going to show them value. I'm going to show them value. What can I do? We saw a post on social media about a, a, a couple in our church who just moved into a new house. One of the charge groups showed up at that house with blessing. Just said, hey, why are you, we're here to value you. I love that stuff. That's Christianity on display. I think people around us will see that and be like, what are y'all doing over there? I want some value. I want some good news. How about Jesus says it like this? He says, behold, I'm about to go to the cross and be crucified for the sin of the world. And Peter says, no, you're not. Peter's always getting in trouble, right? Peter said, no, I won't let it happen, Jesus, even if I have to kill somebody. Peter was the one who ran away, didn't say nothing. Right? He did cut someone's ear off to give him credit. But, um, but, but, but Peter says, no, no, you can't go, Jesus. What are, what are we going to do? And Jesus, he has this great word. He says, I will send you the advantage. Spirit-filled living, church, means that you have the advantage in living. You, you need to be submitted to the Spirit of God so you can have the advantage in life. Encourage people. Be like, hey, man, you want to come to know Jesus, man? He's the advantage on life. He, he wrote the book of life. He's got the instruction manual. Part of the instruction says submit yourselves to one another. Finally, in the fear of the fear of God. This will be my last point. In the fear of God. The fear of God. Another translation says, in reverence toward God. In reverence toward Christ. The fear of God, it means I, I revere you so much, Lord. I revere you. I fear you so much that, God, I'm, I'm going to submit myself to one another. If you don't fear the Lord today, let me encourage you, start. It'd be the wisest thing you could do. It'd be the most knowledgeable thing you could do. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the book of wisdom. Solomon says it like this. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Everybody say beginning. beginning. It's the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Again, and I'm done. If you leave here today, I'm just sharing with you the word of God. I'm the mailman. You can open the mail and do something if you want. But I would just say the, the wise thing would be to take this message and do it this year. The foolish thing would be to, ah, I'm going to despise that. I'm not listening to that instruction. And next week, we're going to talk about spirit-filled marriage. And we're going to go into spirit-filled roles. We're going to talk about spirit-filled parenting and spirit-filled children. And what the Bible says to, to, to those who are single, spirit-filled singleness. 
And God's going to speak in all these different contexts. Don't, don't despise the wisdom of God. Don't despise or ignore the instruction. Lean into it and say, God, give me more of it. I want to be filled with the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. As I close right now, um, I'm going to move this right here. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to take our first step towards Spirit-filled living as the church. And I want us to do something right now. It's the first Sunday of the month. And on the first Sunday of every month, we always take communion together. We always partake in the Lord's Supper together. And this is, again, something that Jesus modeled for us. He'll never ask us to do something he didn't do himself. He'll never ask us to do something he won't empower us to do first. In Matthew 26, right after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he picked up a cup, he picked up some bread, and here's the message that he delivered. He gave thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body. Jesus says, when you hold this little piece of bread or this cracker in your hand, this is my body. It's in representation, in symbolic form of the body of Christ. And then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. One day we won't have to celebrate Lord's Supper. We'll be at the Lord's Supper. And we'll actually partake in this great heavenly feast together with the Lord. But until then, Jesus calls us to submit to him as the church where we approach these tables. You grab a bread, you grab a cup, and you think back to the cross. To somebody who doesn't know Jesus here today, the cross is just another person's death. But to us, that's our salvation. We see the cross differently. We see sparks coming off the cross that say you can be saved. We see the cross as Jesus saying, I'm here for you. You ever seen somebody at an airport hold up one of those signs that say, they got your name on it? Can you just imagine Jesus right now with one of those signs that say, I'm here to, I'm here for you. I'm here to pick you up. Come with me. I'm here for you today. As you approach the communion table, see Jesus, see his nail-pierced hands, see his body broken for your sins, see him resurrected, saying, I can save you. Whatever you need to examine in your heart to get right, get it right. If you need to step out of this room and make a relationship right, get it right. If you need to apologize or repent from sin, apologize and repent from sin and do all that. And when you're ready, we're gonna sing a song. When you're ready, go to these two tables, grab your cup, grab your bread and partake in the Lord's Supper as you feel led. I'm gonna pray for us. And when you're ready, feel free to approach the tables. We'll also have pastors down here if you need prayer. We would love to pray with you. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And right now, God, we ask for your help. And we really do acknowledge how much we need it. It's a new year, God. It's a new year and it's a new us. We want to start with your table, God. Thank you for your bread broken for us. Thank you for your body 
beaten for us. Thank you for taking all of our sins on your back. Thank you for shedding your blood to wash away all of our sins. Thank you for being the final sacrifice. Thank you, God, that we don't have to go to a temple and buy a goat or a, or a, or a, a lamb to be forgiven. That we, we can go straight to the source and find forgiveness through his blood. God, I pray for all the communion elements right now as they get ready to go out. May people examine their lives, turn from sin, and submit themselves to you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.